Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. So, Nick, I, I had a client the other day. Um, well, I have, I have many clients, actually, in this kind of situation where they, they come in and talk about a midlife crisis. Hmm. Either they're going through it or maybe a spouse is going through it. Um, but a lot of them will even say, you know, here's, here's the behavior I'm exhibiting or my partner's exhibiting. And I think I'm going through, or they're going through a midlife crisis. Is that a real thing? Um, have you had clients ask you that? Oh, yeah. Is that, is this a real thing? Cause, mm-hmm. uh, all of a sudden it's happening and this is the only word I have to describe this weird behavior all of a sudden from myself or my partner. Um, it's so how do you, how do you talk about that with your clients? <laughs> I usually throw it back at them in the form of a question. <laughs> like, what do you mean real? Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> go, go ahead. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I With stuff like this, I, I try to validate the idea that they're thinking of this as a midlife crisis, but then quickly move beyond the conceptual to the like the nuts and bolts of, well, what's actually going on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, that's bothering you or that you're curious about or... There does seem to be this weird kind of um, stage in a lot of people's lives, though, from about mid-30s to mid-50s, where potentially there's some there's some odd behaviors that might kind of surface. Would you agree? Like what? What, what are the prototypical midlife crisis behaviors? Well, I mean, I guess the, the, the classic kind of stereotypical one is a guy running out to buy a sports car, he divorces mm-hmm. his wife, he has an affair with a way younger woman or right. whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did kind of, um, I've done a little bit of research on this, so I, I, I have kind of found some research that says men and women can display kind of different symptoms at times of this, but um, women become very much um, kind of focused in self-improvement. It often looks selfish to their partner um, or that they're becoming more and more self-absorbed, but there's a lot of self-improvement kind of tracks that, that women can exhibit that's a little bit different from the men, but men te- tend to focus on making drastic changes in their life. And there is a lot of self-improvement involved too. Um, but yeah, there, this does come up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as to what you think about that or yeah. how, we, how you kind of break that down. Well, I think, um, so in psychology, the, the term crisis is often used in, in terms of stages of development. Mm-hmm. So often when you transition out of one stage and into another, it's tumultuous, mm-hmm. right? When you go through puberty, when you move away from home for the first time or go to college, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When you, after you get married or have kids. Um, and so crisis, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, it's a tumultuous transition mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. one kind of developmental stage to another. And so I think if you think about um, midlife, generally, I think there's a lot of, I mean, in some ways it is, it's the, it's like the, the turn, it's the turning point of your life in the sense that there is more time behind you than there is in front of you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which has got to be kind of psychologically, existentially jarring. Right, right. (laughs) It's a little eye-opening to think, whoa, halfway done. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And, And I, and I, this fits my kind of conceptualization of this just, perfectly because yeah it's all about transition and there's a lot of transitions that are present in this time period in people's lives 
for the most part, mm-hmm. right? Between and, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, just real quick, I, I think you could say, I think everybody, if you're paying attention, goes through an, a midlife crisis. Not that it's bad or that it leads to, that you like throw away your wife and go, you know, marry someone who's 20 years younger right. than you. It doesn't have to be um, negative or sort of dramatic, but but it's it's turbulent. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. And so I think you can, how you respond to that or how that affects you determines whether it's a kind of natural, healthy transition from one stage of life into another or whether it kind of really throws you for a loop mm-hmm. and leads to some kind of major. So I would distinguish kind of, healthy versus unhealthy midlife crisis. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of the literature doesn't describe this as a midlife crisis anymore. They've kind of changed the name to a midlife transition, which you kind of alluded to before, transitioning between stages of development. And this is a very similar transition. And, and between these ages of about 35 to 55, you have a lot of life events that kind of are, 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 are very common for people. Um, kids are graduating and going off to college. They're moving out. So there's a lot of empty nest kind of transitions, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's your life has been devoted to raising kids and all of a sudden they're not around anymore. Um, and you don't know what to do yourself with yourself. So there's an identity kind of disturbance there. Um, you spend your whole life with kids complaining about how you don't have any time for yourself. <laughs> right. And then how once you it comes, wait. you have no <laughs> ethic clue what to do with yourself. Yeah. yeah, you really, I mean, all those hours, think about all the hours you spend with your kids on their stuff opportunity cost it's all time you're not (laughs) you're already looking forward you say that now you're gonna have the worst midlife crisis (laughs) um but these transitions come with in the forms of uh, parents passing away it comes in the form of job promotions or job um changes right some people get to the top of their career field and go wow this really isn't what i want to do for another 20 years and so, yeah or maybe lack of job change it's right just the same old same thing, old thing. Over yeah and, over and so yep. you reach these stages in your life where um either you want to make changes or you need to make changes or um or, or changes are just happening and so a lot of people get to this kind of age period where all these things are going on and you're right they react to it in some way or another Mm-hmm. Um, but there is turbulence there. Yeah. There is things happening in that stage of life that you're adjusting to. And these transitions can be um, growth oriented or pretty painful, um, but you get to choose. Okay. So someone's uh, approaching midlife and they're, they're feeling some turbulence. Mm-hmm. How do you explain buying a Porsche as a response to that. What's go, what's the psychology behind buying the Porsche as a, in response to a midlife crisis? Well, what is what is that all about? <laughs> I mean, Porsches are great. There's more, more than one way to skin a cat. But, um, to me that kind of screams that someone's not satisfied with life. And they're attaching a lot of value and importance to maybe some material thing that will symbolize success, maybe uh, fortune, something like that. They're, they're trying to go after. Oh yeah. Wait. Okay. So what, I mean, I, I think it's actually useful. <laughs> Literally. What is a, what is a Porsche symbolize? It's a status symbol of success and oh, money. status, yeah. success. Um, and so a lot of people do kind of reach this stage of life and go, I wait, I should be on top of a mountain right now, mm. just doing great. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the American dream is that I reach the stage, I get married, I have my kids, I have my job, and then mm-hmm. life's just grand, and it's yeah. not. I actually hadn't thought about status. That's interesting. Yeah. And they go, geez, I, I'm going to go out and buy a Porsche. I'm mm-hmm. going to, yeah, yeah. It's also, it strikes me, 
it's very novel. It's literally exotic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an import. It's a unique. So it's new. You've been driving the minivan for 20 years. And like. Porsche Scream (laughs) status symbol. (laughs) Right. But it's just a new, it's a very new thing. It's Mm -hmm. it's a new shiny toy. Yes. Right. Yeah. It's also, uh, I think about it. Um, and I, I think I've driven a Porsche once. Pretty exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> right? So if you kind of reverse engineer those things. Right. If you say, okay, what people are after are novelty, excitement, status. status. What that implies is there's a notable or they perceive a lack of those things. Right. More than ever in their life at that midlife crisis right. stage. Right. And yes. so this is their way to... to Fill, fill that, that in to get that or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you can afford a Porsche, then no, no issue um, with your midlife decision there. Um, but if that's probably not within your financial goals, then that might that purchase might cause some problems. Well, even if you can afford it, it is that going to help? Is that going to probably not? <laughs> but your... you'll you'll figure that out, and you're not you're not hurting financially, but. Um, yeah, that'll be apparent soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't afford it, it's going to be really apparent and really it's going to hurt yeah. really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're going to be taking that back and there. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be bad. Um, so, so you do get to kind of choose how you want to go through a midlife transition. Um, because we all go through these, you know, your, your kids will grow up or your, um, job will change or, you know, people around you will be going through different transitions that often sparks transition Mm -hmm. too. Um, And so really kind of being somewhat mindful of that stage in your life and uh, thinking about what your values and goals really are is important because you can reach that stage where your kids are leaving the house and go, wow, I have all this extra time on my hands. What do I do? And you could pick up gambling or, or, you know, drinking or whatever it is. Or you could say, man, maybe I go back to school and I learn this topic or maybe I use this time to improve my social circle or whatever it is. You can, you can choose those things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, these transitions are turbulent and there's multiple directions to go in there. Yeah, you mentioned values. This is kind of how I think about, mid, like my perception of, and maybe I'm kind of, I'm 34, so I'm, I'm entering the, yeah. the danger zone here. Yeah, um, and, you're, and, and I think you're in one. Just, <laughs> we're going to talk about that is later. Is this an intervention? <laughs> this is the start <laughs> this of This episode like, is a bit. <laughs> um, so I, uh, w- when I talk to my clients who are experiencing midlife crises, the reading between the lines, like one very consistent commonality between all of them is my life did not turn out the way I thought it might. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. My, my trajectory yep. is not really lined up with my values or what I thought my values were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the thing. Maybe they were lined up with my 22 year old values. Right. Right. But now, now I'm 42. Right. And I have very different values and I'm, I'm going further away from those, mm-hmm. not closer to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that can set off a lot of, either (laughs) um, prodigal spending or anxiety, depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, all sorts of common psychological symptoms Mm -hmm. result from that disparity between your actions, like how, what direction your life is actually going and where you think it should be going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of people do get to a certain point in their life and go, wait a minute. Um, This isn't what I want. This isn't really in line with what I thought I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, you, you see people in, in a lot of divorces kind of in this time period too. 
because they're kind of realizing, whoa, this isn't what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I put in all this time and effort to get here and, and this isn't what I wanted. And, and there's almost this resentment and anger that kind of builds in these reflexive kind of um, reactions to that. But yeah, I think that's fairly common that a lot of people kind of get to that stage and go, wait a minute, something's changed or something's mm-hmm. shifted in my values or what I want for my life. Yeah. 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 So what, as someone who works with a lot of people who have midlife crises, <laughs> um, what would you say to someone who's 30 and it, what's the best advice or not even advice, but how would you get, how do you, how do you head off a midlife crisis? Mm. How do you, well, I, or, I guess or the, people who navigate them well, what do they do differently is the other way to look at it maybe. Well, I think, I think people who navigate them more or maybe a way to head this off would be a consistent review of your values and, and behaviors and what you're, what you're going for and what you're doing. If you're consistently kind of analyzing those and saying, hey, am I spending my time in the things that are really rewarding for me? Um, that should be somewhat apparent. And if that gets a little skewed and off track and you're doing a regular review and you go, whoa, I spent a lot of time on this thing that's not bringing me a lot of happiness or joy or meaning or anything like that, then maybe I want to shift some time away from that. Um, so that kind of constant or, or consistent evaluation of. Why do you think that's so infrequent? I don't know. We get in ruts never. and we just start going to work and doing our and routines and we just start doing those things. And I mean, people largely are just creatures of are creatures of habit. But it doesn't take a lot of time. You can sit down for 15 nope. minutes one Saturday nope. afternoon. No, but people got so much stuff to think about. Do so they? much stuff. Do Kids they? Kids. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I think so. Uh, you know, well, and, and this is maybe another thing that we kind of hit on. We're just not trained to kind of think this way or do this. Yeah. And a lot of times that midlife transition kind of happens as a result of not understanding what your values are at all. So by the time you get there and you should be happy, um, you're really not. Mm-hmm. And and you've just been kind of told by either society or family or whatever, or even your own idea about what life would be there. I mean, did you really know what marriage was going to be like when you got married? No, you just kind of do the thing that you think you should do. You get in there and go, whoa, this is a little different than I thought it was going to be. It's not mm-hmm. horrible. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's different than yeah. what you thought. And so it's, it would be easy to find yourself in there and go, whoa, this is way different than what I thought. This is the case for studying or at least reading philosophy, if you ask me. That might seem a little out of left field. Yeah, explain. <laughs> well, everything so. can track back philosophy, <laughs> Nick. So I think that was lazy on your part. Well, one definition <laughs> of philosophy is you you deliberately spend time thinking about the big questions, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Which often comes across as kind of a pretentious thing to do. Right. Right. But ultimately, like, it kind of matters oh, to sure. your life, right? Yeah. Specifically, like the degree to which you actually spend time thinking about and clarifying what really matters to you, like what you really want, yeah. what you really enjoy, what gives you satisfaction and meaning. And like what, if you didn't spend much time consistently thinking about those things, why would you expect to get there? Yeah. yeah. If you don't even know what they are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. But I think most, I'd say virtually none of us are <laughs> in the general sense are trained to think philosophically, to think about those things in a, in a real consistent way. Mm-hmm consistently throughout life too. Yeah. Seems like sometimes we can get a little view of some, some meaningful, um, nugget of information and it's not like we go back to the well. <laughs> right. And either we, we, 
our our values are either um, superficial <laughs> when we're young, like I want to be really rich, yeah, and yeah. there's not really much past that, or they're incredibly vague, like well, I want to be happy, of course, yeah, well, yeah, who doesn't, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I think but, there's a lot of societal and cultural norms that are kind of in there too. You should get married, you should get a career, you should go to college, you should, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things you should do or that society will tell you you should do, and a lot of us. I think just kind of fall in line and then later go, wait, but this isn't making me happy. Uh, and that, I think that's the other key thing that philosophy, I don't know why I'm getting on a philosophy. <laughs> I mean, I think it's applicable, but the other thing philosophy teaches you to do is not just ask the big questions, but to question the established answers to the big questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everyone's telling you like getting married by the time you're 30 is, you know, you really should. Do. No one's going to actually say that, but everyone implies like right, if you're not right. doing that, or, you yeah. know, there's something wrong. How old you are probably. you? Yeah. 35, you're not married. Oh yeah, honey, you know, you really got to yeah, step that <laughs> you're up. young forever, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, but it really takes, um, well, it takes a lot to actually question those kind of inherited values. Yeah, some self-awareness and some, some, yeah, I don't know. What would I'd even that? say courage, honestly. Courage. Because if you're, because the, these are inherited values because they're what society sort of like puts on you, which implies you're kind of, you're going against the grain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even by questioning them. Mm-hmm. Certainly if you come up with different answers, hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is terrifying and hard. Or some, or some just real good critical thinking skills, right? To, to really kind of evaluate some of those things. Seems like a lot of times you just don't evaluate those. You know, I think I don't. Or ask that question why? Why I don't know how much intellectual horsepower it takes to ask (laughs) the. I think it's just about creating space to just ponder them at all, Hmm. or or being in a context, being around people who are encouraging or supportive of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because when when you're not, and when you don't make any time for it, it doesn't matter how smart you are or Mm -hmm. how good a thinker you are. I think, mm-hmm. I think the the first problem is we just we just don't make time for that at all. Yeah. No, I think you're right. It, it, and to do it in a way that's individual specific, right? There's a lot of yeah. here's the values you should take on if you want to be happy in life. Yeah. Yeah. But but not a lot of encouragement to, to like either come up with your own or question those ones that you're being given. Mm-hmm. So I think it's not surprising that we get a lot of people who wake up and they're 50 and they're like, hmm. Either I don't know what I want yeah. or I'm going in the opposite direction from what I want. What? And I, I didn't realize that for 20 years. I actually hear that from a lot of clients in these transition periods where they're like, I don't know what I want. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. And, and a lot of the therapy turns up, you know, these experiments and the kind yeah. of like values identification and h- how do we determine what direction to head in if you don't know where you mm-hmm. want to go. Yeah, And it's not just armchair um, philosophizing it's often like coming up with very specific concrete right. things you can do try because you're not going to think your way into happiness w- yeah what yeah. you really want out of life you're largely gonna have to experiment your way into it yep right yep. you're gonna have to try stuff and figure stuff out yeah that's an in- that's interesting because i that is exactly what i recommend to people in these transition states one, one of the other states i see a lot is uh retirement mm-hmm. after retirement people are like what it, it will what so much of your identity is made up of what you do. Your work. Yeah. Your if you career. ask someone yeah. who you, you know, tell me about you, you get a list of things they do. Well, we, we don't even say tell me about you. We say, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> tell me, yeah. Um, or tell me about yourself. You get a list of things they they do. And so once you stop doing that thing that you've been doing for 10, 12 hours a day or whatever, um, 
boy, is there a huge adjustment. I mean, so much of your identity has just been thrown or just retired, mm. right? And so who are you now that you are no yep. longer the president of this company or that you no longer do this thing? Um, and so a lot of these, I think, midlife crises or transitions um, are, are definitely identity disturbances. Well, and that, you know, that's, a, that's very interesting because that's, I'd say my probably number one piece of advice to that 30-year-old is what I have started calling identity diversification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in like, if you think of common wisdom in the financial world, right. is if you have money and you want to invest it, don't Spread put all your out. eggs in one basket, right? right. Uh, you don't put everything in the stock market because if the stock market tanks, there goes your retirement, right? right? You put some in stocks, but you put some in bonds, you put some in real estate, or you even diversify within stocks. Right. You do some conservative stuff, you do some more... Um, uh, risky stuff, but you diversify, mm-hmm. right? So that you can, any one or two of those can get knocked out and you'll still be okay, right? Right. I think it's it's um, really common that we people don't diversify identity income. Mm-hmm. The thing that feeds their identity and their sense of self, yeah. it's like one thing. They put all the eggs Or two things, maybe. Or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's, their, it's their job or it's yeah. their relationship or... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that... And sometimes, a lot of times, maybe you get away with that. Maybe yeah. most people don't have anything major happen to one of those. Um, but it's actually really common that one of... Like, what? Divorces... The divorce rate's 50%, yeah. right? Everybody yeah. retires yep. Yep. <laughs> eventually, yep. right? Um, yeah. So something's gonna happen. The stock market's gonna... There's going to be a recession, yeah, you know, yeah. like at some point. Yeah. So think about how do you diversify your sort of income for your identity? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Because like, if you have lots of things that you um, identify yourself by, then you always some, have some kind of stability there probably. Because mm-hmm. a couple things can take a hit, like you said, and you still got, you still have a couple other yeah. Um, things that you do. And they don't have to, I don't think they necessarily have to be grandiose. No. Right. It doesn't have to mean you have two careers or jobs. It could be that like you're, you're really passionate about golf, mm-hmm. say, right. And you golf a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also are, get kind of interested in teaching golf mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you get into <laughs> designing golf courses or yeah. so I don't know. You, you just you, go work at the golf course. Yeah. You just play yeah. There, whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that when you retire, mm-hmm. you, you have, maybe that's not enough to sustain you long-term, but it's something, it right. gives you some cushion and some padding. Yeah. Right. That Then you can kind of build on. Yeah. Um, but if you, yeah, I think it's super dangerous to have for your identity to be, to be largely tied to one or two things. Yeah. Especially if those things are people. <laughs> right. right those you yeah i would encourage you establishing identity on another individual is really tenuous mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not a problem to to have that as part of your diversified portfolio of right identity issues, doesn't mean people are bad it just right. means one person right. as the sole one source of your soul, identity right that's not a good idea risky <laughs> very risky business <laughs> Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.